I'm Polly. I'm a mom, a wife, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and founder of No Kegels University. I have helped thousands of women stop leaking, enjoy intimacy, and feel proud of their bodies, even after having kids. After years of listening to women wonder why no one talks about leaking, how they should properly recover after having a baby, and that pleasurable intimacy is possible, I started to get real frustrated because I believe that no mom or woman should struggle when there are answers. It became my mission to shed light on the lack of postpartum care and the lack of discussion on issues that relate to women and their health, even if they can be uncomfortable sometimes. It also became my mission to change the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more. Here we go. Welcome to episode 15, what to do if you have diastasis recti. So years ago, I had a patient come to see me and she said, okay, I need your help. I just had my baby and they told me that I had six finger widths in between my muscles. And they said, if I can't fix it, I'm going to have to have surgery. And I thought, wow, six fingers, that might be a, you know, a record for me. Of course, I'm not saying this to my patient at all. And so I said, okay, well, let's, let's just go ahead and check. And so I had her lay up on the table, lay flat. I had her lift her head and her neck off the table, not into a full crunch. And as I started pressing around, I said, it, it's not six fingers, it's four fingers width. And the depth really isn't that bad. And so then I asked her, well, how many weeks postpartum are you? I I can't remember what you said. And she said, oh, I'm about 10 weeks postpartum. And I said, okay, who told you that you had a six finger width? And she said, oh, the doctor, he checked me the day that I gave birth. And I said, okay, okay. And in my head, my my head is just going crazy because I have all this information that I want to spew out and tell her. And so I said, okay, well, let's take a look. Let's start working on your belly. So one of the things that I like to do with my patients is to work on the outer borders or the lateral edges of the rectus abdominis. I'll explain this later. So don't, if you're taking notes or trying to figure out what it is that I mean, I'll explain this in depth in later parts of this episode. And I realized, wow, she is incredibly tight through here. It's very restricted and it almost was painful for her on the lateral edges. And then when I got done, just in that treatment, I had her lift her head and her neck again to check. And I poked around, around her belly button and up to her rib cage and down to her pubic bone. And we noticed that it went down to two and a half finger widths. And she said, what, what are you, are you magic? And I said, no, no, no. Let me explain a couple things to you. So if this is you, or even if your numbers or your finger widths aren't as much as this particular patient, let me walk you through a couple of the things that I told her that day. The first thing was don't panic. And she said, well, how am I not supposed to panic? My doctor said that I had six fingers and I, and and I'm going to have to have surgery. And she just, she couldn't even finish her sentences. She was just so panicked. And I said, okay, don't panic panic. I know that it sounds scary, but let me tell you this. Research has showed us time and time again that at 38 weeks pregnant, 
we all have diastasis recti. And I said, there's a lot that we don't know about it, but there's a lot that we do. And I continued to talk to her about your baby's position can dictate how quote unquote bad it is, how long your labor was, how long your delivery was, your genetics, your activity during pregnancy can help determine how quote unquote bad your diastasis is. And I could tell as I was starting to tell her this, that her whole body started to relax a little bit. And she said, so, so I didn't do anything wrong. And I said, no, of, of course not. You, you wanted to have a baby and you did that. That was the goal. And I said, I don't think that we need to be scared of this because if we all have it, if a hundred percent of women have it, why are we getting nervous? Now, I am happy to share with you more science and more research behind this, but I don't think you're coming here for the science and the research. You're coming here for the cliff notes and the application of it. So what I'll tell you is I think social media does not do a great job of helping dispel the myths of diastasis. And I think social media does a great job of instilling fear in a lot of women. So if you have diastasis, don't panic. And really what it is, is our rectus abdominis muscles or our six pack muscles, they start underneath our rib cage. And I tell you this because it's going to be important here in a, in a second. And they go all the way down and attach to the top of our pubic bone. So if you poke underneath your belly, way low, way low, way low, you'll feel something hard that is your pubic bone. So those muscles run up and down and there is a centerpiece that those muscles attach to. So when diastasis recti happens, that's when some of those fibers start to pull away from that centerpiece. And this can happen superficially. It can happen deep. So you could have a separation where the depth is very minimal but the width is excessive. Or you could have something vice versa where you have a lot of depth, but hardly any width to that separation. And I think that part also gets missed because I'm sure if you've looked online, how to check if you have diastasis, they'll tell you, do a sit up and then check where your gap is. And typically they only show you at your belly button. And I'll tell you, Generally speaking, that's where it's the worst, but where it's also helpful to check is all the way up to underneath your rib cage and all the way down to your pubic bone. So I've had some patients that have come in and said, oh yeah, I don't have any diastasis. And I go to check and I said, I, who told you this? And they said, oh no, I checked. And I said, okay, well sh show me how you do it. And they only checked at their belly button. Make sure you're checking above that belly button and make sure you're checking below that belly button. Now, one of the reasons I want to tell you all this, let me interrupt this, is I want you to have more information because typically when we have more information, we can make better decisions. I think this goes for a lot of different scenarios. So that's how you would check. But let's go back to that story of that particular patient of mine that had a six finger width. We worked on the outside borders of her rectus abdominis. And this is one of the first things that I do with my patients is to make sure that those muscles move. 
So let me give you a little insight as to why this is so important. Have you ever had those flip books or pop-up books or even just used a brochure? If you notice, especially if that brochure is older and if it's on printed paper or those books that have those little pop-up flaps that show animals or something hiding, you know, in those children's books, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. If you notice over time, the coloring on that fold, whether that's the brochure or the flip book, it starts to wear off. And so if you can imagine each time that you have a baby, your belly gets stretched and stretched and stretched in a good way, of course. And then you have that baby and your belly, of course, goes back down. So you almost have these hinges or these folds like you do in the flip book or like you do in the brochure, but you now have that at the edges of your rectus abdominis or your six pack. So what I encourage people to do, myself included, and I do this with my patients in person, is to put my fingers on one side. And again, you're going to do this all the way down from your pubic bone all the way up. But again, it's the outside border. Um, Take a look at a Google picture. I think it'll kind of give you a better idea to find those borders. And you'd want to push into the midline or push in towards the center, almost like if you drew an imaginary line from your belly button up to your chin and your belly button down to your pubic bone, you want to push those borders into that imaginary line. It should easily move away from your fingers and you should not have to push very hard. So the reason that this worked for my particular patient, the one that had six fingers, is because she was so stuck and so bound down. So it almost made her diastasis present as though it was much worse. But really, she didn't have all the information and her muscles weren't in a great position to be showing up and to be giving us the best information for us to make a decision. So I want to make sure that that point is illustrated that while it might appear as though I was the one who quote unquote lessened her gap, not really. I just helped her body give us a clearer picture of what was happening. And interestingly enough, when she hopped off the table and I had her start doing some core exercises, she said, oh man, I, I almost feel like I did before I had kids. And this particular gal, I can't remember because it was so many years ago, I think she was on baby number four or baby number five. And so that was quite a bit of time ago for her to feel this strong just by getting her muscles in a position to be able to do their job. Now let's continue on with some of these tips. I know I spent a little extra time or maybe even more time on making sure that the edges of your muscles are moving, but I think it's such a missed part in addressing diastasis that I I think it deserved that time. So the next thing that I would do is I would have you balloon breathe or diaphragmatic breathe where you inhale, your belly blows up, but balloon breathing is just calling into awareness or making sure that your pelvic floor is dropping with that inhale. So the reason that it should happen this way and the reason that it physiologically happens this way is if you're breathing with your diaphragm, as you inhale, the lower lobes of your lungs are going to fill with air. Your diaphragm descends. It's going to push on your organs. And those organs are going to push on that pelvic floor. And that pelvic floor will move away. 
But the reason that I bring this into play as the, as balloon breathing and why it's important, physiologically, this is how we should be breathing. But after we've had a baby, our pressure system is disrupted because as that baby is growing, it pushes some of your guts up underneath your diaphragm and your rib cage and pushes your other guts downwards towards your pelvis. And so balloon breathing can help restore good and physiological movement of your organs. So they're not stuck in either position, especially because they're stuck there for many, many months without getting the opportunity to move well. But the other reason that balloon breathing is so important is because it's helping to establish normal pressure back to those abdominal muscles again. And I'm certain that you're probably thinking, well, wait, if I'm not supposed to be doing crunches or sit-ups or planks if I have diastasis because it's going to make it worse because it's pressure and and it's tough, right? Then why would I be breathing? Well, we breathe all the time. (laughs) We can't take a break from breathing. And so this is what I mean by physiologically, this is how we should be breathing. So if we can help to restore that There is pressure that needs to be maintained. There's inside of our abdomen, but also there's this pressure system. I won't get into that here. Well, you're welcome to message me if you want to, and we can talk further about that. But that pressure system is so important to restore after we're having a baby to allow our abdominal muscles to function like they're supposed to, to allow our guts to slide and glide like they're supposed to, to allow our pelvic floor to drop and lengthen and move that is how this system is set up and all we're doing is to help restore it. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but this is a really great first step. And because so many people, which this actually leads me to my last tip here, is to don't engage your core or your abdominal muscles. So to kind of tie the balloon breathing or not engaging your abdominal muscles If you can comfortably and correctly balloon breathe, meaning that as you inhale, your belly blows up, you feel your pelvic floor drop. As you exhale, your belly flattens and your pelvic floor pulls in. And this is all passive, by the way. You're not forcing or tightening or doing any of this. This is a very physiological process where you're not really having to work that hard to make it happen. So once you get good at that, that's when I would have you start doing core strengthening But I would be very cautious about how you proceed because so many influencers and so many fitness professionals and some even physical therapists too will tell you, you need to tighten or engage or brace or isolate your transverse abdominis, your muscles, your inner core, your deep core, blah, 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 blah. However, this isn't necessarily the place for me to get into this. But what we now know is that our abdominal muscles turn on at different times depending on whatever activity it is that we're doing. So what that means is, is if you decide, okay, well, I'm going to tighten my muscles or my abdominal muscles, I should say, before I do like marching or a bridge. Okay, But what if your abdominal muscles should technically turn on third in order of operations or in order in which the muscles turn on? Well, now you're interfering with how your muscles are working. I know, I know this might be a very big 
taking the wind out of your sails or raining on your parade or what have you. But I'll ask you this. Why is it that we tell our core muscles to tighten first before we do an activity, but we don't do that for our glute muscles when we squat or do a lunge or stand up out of a chair? We just know that they're going to do what they're supposed to do because they're strong and they're functional. That's what we should expect out of our abdominal muscles as well. So the way to get around this, here's my bonus tip for you. Well, let me actually give you two bonus tips because I'm a talker and because I want you to have a lot of value and I want you to be able to walk away from this episode and get started. I want you to blow before you do that rep. So I have a lot of patients who are like, okay, well, yeah, I, you know, engage my abdominal muscles before I blank. And so because it's been so ingrained in them, they almost need something to swap out that habit with and what can work instead and actually work in their favor as they are strengthening their abdominal muscles after baby or during diastasis or what have you is I would blow and then if you want to bridge, bridge. If you want to blow before you do a rep, one rep of a core exercise, then do that. I would keep utilizing that until it gets easy. And if you don't believe me, play around with it. Blow before you bend down to pick up the laundry basket, put it down, and then try again without blowing and see which way is easier. I feel confident that it's going to be a lot easier with that blow. And the reason is, is because it helps neurologically ready your muscles so that they show up and do their job when they're supposed to without us needing to interfere. So it's very useful. And so the last bonus tip that I'll give you is I want you to add some crawling into what you're doing. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you think about your kiddos or your nieces and nephews or your friends' kids, as they are learning to sit up and to roll over, crawling needs to happen before they sit up. And while none of you are probably pediatric or therapists that or physical therapists that work with kids, I'll tell you the kiddos that miss crawling have issues with their pelvic floor. They have issues with other motor development, meaning like running or skipping. There, there's always extra issues that show up if a kiddo skips crawling. That's probably an episode for another day, but I'll, I'll give you that hint there. So I would crawl opposite arm, opposite leg moves forward together, and then opposite arm, opposite leg moves forward together. I know it sounds odd, but it's funny to me still to this day that as I watch people say, especially as they're very fit, as they go to try this, it doesn't go very well. And I'll tell them, okay, this is the developmental sequence that we're going to utilize to our benefit to help your core get stronger. And the amount of testimonials that I could pull from that, that's probably at least 10 episodes (laughs) in the least. But I share this with you again as a bonus tip so you can walk away and make changes immediately. So the homework for this episode, I think I've told you a lot in here. So let's kind of give you some homework and some takeaway here. Number one, check your diastasis. Check for depth, check for width, and you're going to go at your belly button all the way up underneath your ribcage and all the way down to your pubic bone. Second thing, check the edges of your abdominal muscles. Remember, you're going to push from the outside in towards that imaginary line that runs 
from underneath your rib cage all the way down to your belly button and all the way down to your pubic bone. Then the next is you're going to blow before each rep. Now, somebody might ask, okay, well, do I have to do this forever? No. When it starts to get easier, you could do one breath before one rep. And then when that gets easy, one blow or one breath before every two reps, then three reps and so on. And then eventually you won't need to do it at all. But it's just to ensure that those muscles are ready to fire when they're supposed to. And of course, add in some of that crawling. Now, I hope that today's episode was not overwhelming. It might be helpful to go back and take some notes, maybe even pick one or two of those homework pieces or tips to start implementing. And then when you're ready, add in another component. But really, you could go back to the homework and start with one and then move on to the second and then move on to the third and then the fourth. As always, remember, you're an heiress and a queen and everything in between. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode or even wondered if I can help you, check the show notes for more details. And to see what else I'm up to, follow me on the socials at Beyond the V period by Polly. Because I'm changing the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more, I still need your help. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend or two. See you next week.